Welcome to Ira's Everything Bagel, where I talk with intriguing people about everything, their passions, pursuits, and points of view. Do you know what it's like to do comedy at a graduation ceremony at Yale, or write for Jimmy Fallon, or ride naked in the ride chair? Well, my guests do. They're Rebecca Shaw and Ben Cronengold, not easy to say, authors of Naked in the Ride Chair, Stories of Gross Miscalculations, published by William Morrow and available on Amazon, Barnes & Noble, and all the usual places. For everything about Rebecca and Ben, go to rebecca-shaw.com and bencronengold.com. And Rebecca and Ben, welcome to the show. Thank, Thank you, you for having, having us. us. We're so excited to be here. Sure. My most important question, Rebecca, why does your website have a hyphen in it and a URL and Ben doesn't? Oh, such an important question. I know, it um, is. It is. You know, there's a lot of Rebecca Shaw's out there. I feel in constant, you know, hot pursuit of all of them. <laughs> and there's only one or two Ben's with that last name, so. Correct. Yeah, yeah, yeah it's the same, reason why, same reason why it was so, so easy for you to pronounce Rebecca Shaw, and it always takes a pause before chronic. <laughs> That's how I got the domain. <laughs> yeah, I'm sorry about that. Usually I'm pretty good about that. My voice is going, so I, I'll have that as an excuse. Now, I'm an old school guy, so ride chair to me means hitchhiking. How did you come up with this title? Again, it's called Naked in the Ride Chair, Stories of Gross Miscalculations. Why did you decide to write this book? And I want to get a little bit about your background, but I think we'll start with why you decided to write the book. Well, you know, I think that we had, you know, Ben and I had both really grown up reading a lot of comedic fiction. Um, we love Simon Rich, Issa Rae, David Sedaris, uh, Mindy Kaling. Who, George Saunders. Yeah, we're so unbelievably you know, lucky to have been so well-versed in them. And, you know, I, when we had the opportunity to start thinking about what we wanted to work on, uh, we were on The Tonight Show starring Jimmy Fallon. And, you know, I think we really loved the idea of, is there a way to tell stories that feel very true to our generation, to our friends' experiences, be that, you know, coming of age or post-grad, um, but do it in this format that feels so sort of like classic humor to us. It is classic humor, but it's also a stream of consciousness. That's what I got out of it, reading it. And mm -hmm. you mentioned your generation. I've lost track because there's so many different generations at this point. You're aiming at Generation Z, but I will tell you that I read it and it was funny, so clearly I'm Generation A, if you go, yeah. you know, if you go chronologically <laughs> right. or alphabetically. So, uh, so, so that part's good. The two, yeah. of you, yeah, the two of you met originally in a get-together, and you yeah. spotted each other, and somehow it was... Attraction at first sight, or books at first sight, or pigeons on the arm at first sight. What was the yeah. what was the motivating factor there? All of the above. You're totally right. Rebecca and I met when we were 17, when we were uh, so last uh, year. Okay, last year, school seniors, uh, and we were going to the same college, and we immediately clicked. We made each other laugh right away. Started dating first week of freshman year. Now we're engaged nine years later, as of a few mm. weeks ago. Um, and I think making each other and wanting to make our friends laugh and now getting a chance to make a larger audience laugh has been like the privilege, I think, of our writing careers thus far. How about you, Rebecca? Were you attracted to him immediately for his sense of humor? I know he's speaking for both of you, but I, I like to get your point of view too. Oh, yeah. I mean, we say that we sort of fell in love with each other as we were falling in love with comedy. You know, I mean, both of us had grown up, our parents had exposed us to so much of it, which was amazing. But, you know, giving yourself permission to really you know, think critically about it and write comedy. We both did sketch comedy in college. Mm -hmm. uh, 
giving ourselves permission to really spend a lot of time thinking about comedy really came from trying to make the other person laugh and realizing that all we wanted to do, like Ben said, was, you know, joke with each other and then write stories together. And luckily that was something that we were able to then bring into our careers. But did you think I was attractive? Answer the man's question. Oh, yes, <laughs> please, please. Rebecca Dash Shaw, come on. Dot <laughs> com. I guess it, both of you became somewhat well-known because of the Yale graduation speech without belaboring it too much because you've now become old and engaged and soon to be married. But what was, was that a, a highlight for the two of you? And how did you pull that off? Because everybody thinks graduation speeches are supposed to be very solemn and serious and look to the future. And the two of you basically broke up on stage, but then you broke each other up and then came back. Sure. Yeah. yeah. I mean, we... We'd love to say that we invented it, but in reality, Yale has a valedictory address every year. We were not the valedictorians by any means. And then they do have a more comedic address every year. So it's a bit of a tradition. I think the reason why you don't hear about it more often is because it's often very inside baseball for mm -hmm. Yale or New Haven, et cetera. And Rebecca and I were like, what if we, you know, our parents are going to be in the crowd. Like, let's do something to make them laugh and our friends and then we put it online and we did not expect it to resonate but um with such a large audience but uh jimmy saw it a few months later we were writing for the tonight show and the rest is sort of history did you notice rebecca the name dropping jimmy saw us and the next thing you know we were it wasn't even jimmy fallon oh, yeah. saw us it was jimmy you know we're good friends first name he's yeah. an incorrigible name dropper um, <laughs> but no, no, no i mean i think that one thing i mean we could not imagine having you know, at the time being like, oh my gosh, this is someone who would be Jimmy to us. But mm -hmm, he ended right. up being our boss for two and a half years. Um, so there's a lot of Jimmy needs to look at this sketch again. It's about to go to air. And um, yeah, we're, we're so, so lucky. And he blurbed our book, which is just unbelievable. What's lovely. it like at your tender young ages to be in the writer's room on a nightly broadcast? It's, I mean, it's amazing. It was the best possible. We sometimes describe it as grad school. Like, you know, we had been writing in college and we'd spent a lot of our time, probably more of our time than we should have, writing sketches and writing pilots and writing movies together. But just getting the opportunity to do that in such a fast-paced environment, I mean, to write five shows a week, you have to be really unprecious about your material, which is really, really helpful. You know, learning how to treat it as both this creative craft that you spent so much time thinking about and then also as this job where, you know, you have to get something in front of your boss quickly and you have mm -hmm. to know how to get it done. And if they have a question about even like the production side, okay, what do you think the costumes are going to look like? What time is the guest getting here? You need to have all of that. So in an amazing way, it became this great proving ground for both the creative of comedy, but also the logistics of comedy. Not to cause trouble, Rebecca, but Ben was zoning out while you were talking about all of it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so. I, know, I, I was also weirdly aware of my listening face. I was like, I am listening look like this. <laughs> I, I was uh, in awe of that answer. And I well, I was there, but that was really yes. well. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Oh, okay. For sure. Yeah. Make them now. Uh, so I want to talk <laughs> about the book, but one more quick question. Was there any yeah. reason, reason, I don't know if the word's resentment, was there any uncomfortableness from other writers on the show because of your relatively young ages joining a national broadcast? That's a really good question. We've never been asked that. The answer is we didn't think so. And then one of our really, really good friends on the show, this brilliant writer, a few months in when we were hanging out or grabbing drinks after work with the writer's room, he said to us, you know, when you started, I really wanted to hate you guys, but I just couldn't. <laughs> you were so, I think, 
we were so like abundantly grateful to be there yeah, right. and did not, you know, play it cool as it were. Right. So I think that we were just so desperately eager to please and like so like aware of what a privilege it was to be in that room that it was a little harder than if we'd shown up and been like, fuck you, of course, we have this one YouTube video. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, you were also yeah. probably abundantly naive, which helps too. Yeah, totally. People were I like, mean, again, this is not local TV. This is national network television. So that's pretty, pretty good. So I want to yeah. get in, I want to get into the book. How did you come up with the title, number one? And then I want to talk a little bit about how you decided to format the book. Because it's funny, it's almost, as I mentioned earlier, a stream of consciousness in a way, because it's not a linear presentation of material. It's very much, in a way it is in terms of, you do have titles for certain sections of the real world, etc. But it also within those chapters, it seems to be somewhat nonlinear, which I, which I enjoy. So how yeah. did you come up with the title, number one, and how did you decide to package it the way you wanted to package it? Excuse my voice, ladies and gentlemen, but I, for whatever reason, it's going. But we're going to make it through this interview. I, we find it raspy and appealing. <laughs> Thank you. Um, Both. Okay. <laughs> uh, title. The title came about because we, it's a line from one of the last chapters uh, of, the, of the collection. And I think the reason why it stuck with us is because it seemed to encapsulate so much of what this book is about, which is that feeling of growing up, entering the adult world and being wholly unprepared for the experience. We always say like metaphorically, it feels like being in the back of a lift or an Uber pool and you're on your way to work. Everyone else around you is in business casual and you forgot to put your pants on. <laughs> emotional feeling of what that transition is like seems to us to be well uh, encapsulated by the phrase naked in the ride chair. I just want to point out that as you were talking, Rebecca was looking at you, interacting, very much aware of what was going <laughs> on. Yes, as opposed to the other way around a moment ago. Yeah. Okay, that's yeah. fine. <laughs> how, did, how did you divide the writing chores in the sense that some stories are more uniquely, I would say, Rebecca versus Ben, mm -hmm. and some are mm -hmm. more uniquely Shaw versus Cronengold, which is very hard to pronounce. I don't know why I'm having a problem with that. Yeah, you'll get used to it, or, or Thank you, you won't. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, I mean, we it really depended on the story. We had this, uh, you know, we ended up falling into this process where we would sort of at the beginning of the week pitch each other on ideas for chapters, and that would sort of take different forms. Sometimes it was, you know, I really want to tell some sort of humor, or sorry, humor, some sort of horror genre play, or, you know, sometimes it was... I want to talk about that feeling where, you know, you're in your 20s and you get your first grown-up job and suddenly you have a friend who doesn't or vice versa. And that sort of feeling of like, ooh, suddenly one of us is a little more adulty than the other. Um, so we would sit down and pitch these ideas out to each other and um, just sort of riff on them. We would see if we could build out a little bit of a world around it, try to find a couple of characters. Um, and at the end of one of those sessions, we'd divide and conquer and just say, okay, I'm going to take these three. Can you take a look at these? And, you know, sometimes that would end up meaning playing to strengths or to lived experiences. You know, sometimes if it was sort of a more female-leaning chapter, I might take the first pass at it, and then Ben would come in for a joke pass or a structure pass or something, and vice versa would also be true. Was Ben insecure because your name came first in, on the book? <laughs> in no. fact? Yeah, I, was, I think it was your idea. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I was just curious because it does, you know, sometimes 
that happens. You'd owe me for the next one and have to say yes when I proposed or something. <laughs> I hope I'm stirring up a little conflict between the two of you because that's always fun. <laughs> so when you decided to go for, to write the book, which came first, the chicken or the egg? Was the book written and then you approached the publisher or vice versa, where you approached the publisher and then wrote the book? Great question. We wrote a few of the chapters. We wrote maybe four or five and said, hey, here's conceptually where we want to go with this. This is the kind of voice that we want to bring forward. We want to do this 20-something Gen Z story in this really classical humor collection way. So we brought that to publishers and got to see their perspective. HarperCollins was a dream choice to to come in and be interested. And to one of your earlier questions, Ira, they had the idea to structure it after reading all of the chapters, all 30 or 35. They were like, you're almost telling a coming of age story in somewhat of a sequence. So they said, why don't you start with childhood, go through teenage years, college, post-grad dating, and so on. So we have to credit Moro, uh, our awesome editor, for sort of seeing that through line and giving it a little bit of that stream of consciousness Bill Doug's Roman uh, feel to it. I got it in there. Oh, yeah. To say Bill Doug's Roman. <laughs> um, I mean, one thing that was surprising was that uh, when we originally pitched the book, it was all fiction pieces. Mm. Um, so it was all short stories, characters that were made up. And um, when we brought it to HarperCollins, one thing that they suggested was you know, we see kind of you through these characters, we see what you're thinking about, what you're anxious about but we'd love to like meet you guys. So can you find a way to incorporate a few nonfiction pieces into the book as well? And do you want to sort of speak? Yeah, I mean, that? our thought there was like, A, uh, who cares? <laughs> like, who cares? <laughs> <laughs> necessarily. Um, we're like not uh, under any delusions that we are some of these amazing authors that we listed earlier who you really want a, a, a sense of their life. But we said, okay, if we're going to do it, instead of writing a chapter like about working with the celebrity, you know, working with celebrities on The Tonight Show, mm-hmm. instead we'll do a chapter. We have something in there called the Reynolds Accords, which is the contract that we drew up in the unlikely event Ryan Reynolds wants to have a threesome with us after working with us <laughs> for a day. Um, right. So like these are sideways, heightened, and slightly absurdist ways into like what it is to work together, what our dating life and how we met, uh, et cetera. So I ho- hopefully you do get a little bit of uh, who we are too. Now, since the book came out, has Ryan contacted you and agreed to this? <laughs> you know, it's so weird. We keep our phone volume on just in case he calls. Yeah, but, but nothing yeah, yet, huh? One of my yeah. <laughs> one of my favorite chapters is uh, actual things Ben's mother told her friends about what Ben does for a living. That's uh, paraphrasing the title, but that's basically what it is. Which, I think you nailed it. Yeah, yeah. And did you show that chapter to your mother? I showed it to her. We begged her to read it at our book party. She would not. <laughs> she said, "If you were a doctor, I would read this." Just kidding. <laughs> um, no, my mom is. But all of our parents are, are really proud of us and very supportive. But at the same time, I think that chapter um, uh, was a little too real for my mother. <laughs> <laughs> well, I did talk to your mother and she says it would have been better had he been a lawyer or a doctor. But OK, fine. You know, as long as he sure. could, as long as he keep Rebecca in jewelry and, and a nice house. <laughs> It's fine, so, yeah, which is very that's good. Dead for you. Yeah. Now, do, do, do each of you, uh, do each of your parents know each other at this point since you're going to be engaged or have interacted with each other? It's funny you should say that. Not only do they know each other, but uh, Ben and I found out after we started dating and working together that our moms grew up together in Queens. Amazing. 
yeah. while. They knew each other. Uh, my grandfather used to teach SAT classes and Ben's mom would come to their basement once a week and take them. I mean, they, it's it's a weird old Bayside story. Yeah. The small world. So in other words, what you're saying, Rebecca, is that Ben's mom told your mom, I don't know it's a good idea for you to get married to Ben. He's got these little quirks. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we're very we're not related, I think is what we're learning. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah, it would have been worse had been if you two had been first cousins, you know, then it would have been yeah, yeah an yeah, odd thing. To find that out. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> How did you decide on the chapter titles or was that was that with assistance from the editor, or was it mainly the two of you sitting down and agreeing or agreeing to disagree? And were there actual fights at your place in Chelsea because one disagreed with the other about certain aspects of the book? Yeah, I mean, we, it's funny, we were definitely a lot of creative, I, I would call them uh, quarrels is too strong, summits, let's call it. Oh, summits, um, I like that, yeah. Where we would come together and say, you know, let's, uh, you know, I don't know if this chapter is working, we had maybe 40 and cut it down to 30, 32 by the end. And there were some easy ones where we're like, you know what, yeah, let's both throw it out the window. But some that one of us wanted to fight for more than the other person. I think the best thing in anyone getting into a writing partnership, we always say like the key is trust. And I think at this point we, and for kind of since the jump, we always so implicitly trusted each other's taste that if Rebecca wasn't in love with the chapter, instead of, even if I wrote it, instead of being defensive, I, I like to think my first instinct is like, oh shoot, there's probably something I'm missing. So we got to definitely have a few meetings of the minds, but I think uh, always for the best. Yeah, we tend to be like whoever feels more strongly about something, there's usually a reason for it. Right. So and that, that, that gets the vote then if you're you know. exactly yeah. yeah that's, exactly. That's and again this the book is called Naked in the Rideshare Stories of Gross Miscalculations. What was your biggest miscalculation writing the book? What I mean by that is was there one piece you wrote for the book and then you looked at it a month later and said, you know what? We can't put this in the book for whatever reason. <laughs> huh? I have one. You do? See? To your earlier question, we wrote the Ryan Reynolds threesome contract piece originally with another celebrity male actor mm -hmm. in mind. And then we got to work with that male actor pretty intimately. Not that intimately. I understood. Yes. Otherwise it would have yeah. been in the book. Yes, of course. Yeah. yeah. And we said, okay, we can't do that to him now that we know him. Like, <laughs> it's a lot weirder to sexualize someone once you have heard stories about their children. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah exactly. And That's then, funny. <laughs> so how did you decide on Ryan particularly, now, by the way? Handsomest man in Hollywood. Second, I would think. Oh, yes, Ben. Yes, yes. Please. Thank you, thank you. Yeah, Rebecca, yeah. come on. It's me and then... Ryan. <laughs> oh, you mean Ben. Oh, that's third. Third, yeah. third. Yeah, yeah, third. Yeah, that's um, right. It, we just thought someone that, I think it was probably like a bathroom interaction you had with him at 30 Rock, Rebecca, right? Yeah. Oh, I was just very charmed by him. We we had we didn't work with him directly on the show, but right. we just had some backstage interaction. I, I also feel like he's someone who can take a joke. Like that is always a, the calculation a little bit. It's like someone who's not going to feel like we're sort of using their name out of turn or something. So he, he's got a great sense of humor. We figured... He'd enjoy it and or would never hear about it. So, <laughs> <laughs> Have you heard any reaction from the Fallon family in the sense that, I, I, and when I say family, meaning the organization, in terms of the, the book, they've enjoyed it, they, um, they laughed, they cried, they returned it to yeah. the bookstore, any of those things? Yeah, no, it's a great question. Uh, we actually heard really great things. It turns out we're going to be on The Tonight Show tonight, actually. Oh, excellent. Really 
Excellent. So people can tune in and uh, see us. I think we're following uh, the SNL host this weekend, Kate McKinnon, and a very handsome movie star named Glenn Powell. And we'll be talking about the book. So we're really excited. It should be a fun little homecoming. Yeah, sure. I mean, we'll- Jimmy's just been unbelievably supportive and lovely. And we're just so, so grateful. And in awe of him, yeah. Will uh, Ryan be there too? Uh, we invited him. Yeah. yeah. So, well, let's see what happens. So what was the funniest chapter title that you picked, in your opinion, and may differ mm-hmm. between the two of you, for the book, Naked in the Rideshare, Stories of Gross Miscalculations, which I don't want to predict, but you know, you are going to get married. So that that could or could not be a gross miscalculation. I don't know. <laughs> I mean, I'm just here, you know. That's fair to say, yeah. Um, I Okay, my favorite alternate title that we ended up not going with for the book was why is no one offering us cocaine? <laughs> <laughs> Our lot in life that for whatever reason we are not reading is like fun, edgy. Enough coke, to be giving yeah, okay. coke people. Um, that's a good alternate book title. My favorite existing chapter title to oh, jump sorry, around. I must have no, maybe you were right. Um, I was just going to say my favorite chapter title by far is it happened to me. My goop jade vaginal egg hatched into a tiny white woman who I now have to care for as my own, which is Rebecca's brainchild and maybe just straight up child. And (laughs) is this really fun exploration of it's exactly what it sounds like. But like a lot of the chapters, we're trying to say something a little bit deeper in that case about basicness and femininity and these companies that sort of prey on women's insecurities in particular. So that is uh, if you're going to skip around the book, I recommend and maybe skipping to that one. Well, that's a great way to leave it. My guests have been Rebecca Shaw and Ben Cronengold, authors of Naked in the Rideshare, Stories of Gross Miscalculations, published by William Morrow, available on Amazon, Barnes & Noble, and all the usual places. For everything about Rebecca and Ben, go to rebecca-shaw.com and bencronengold.com. And Rebecca and Ben, thanks for being on the show. Thank you so much for having us. us. Thanks for the thoughtful question. Yeah, we had the best time. Thank you. And join us every Thursday for a new schmear on Ira's Everything Bagel.